reluctantly crouched at the starting line engines pumping and thumping in time the green light flashes the flags go up churning and burning they yearn for the cup they deftly maneuver and muscle for rank fuel burning fast on an empty tank reckless and wild they pour through the turns their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the finish the flags go down the fans get up and they get out of town the arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a little bit to talk about. We got a, we got our Browns cleanup. I, th- I think we're actually, we usually have turned this totally in the mailbag. I actually think we got some cleanup we want to talk about, because I, I want to rehash the fourth down conversation, even though on Monday I was like, I just don't want to talk about this at all. But I want to rehash that, and then we got some good mailbag questions, Pro Bowl stuff. Um, Justin, we got some new Patreons, but how are you doing? I feel like we're making Talking Giants history, even though we're really not, because Bobby informed me pre-show that we have recorded during the day more often than I thought. But right now, it's a normal Tuesday afternoon, and we're recording at 3.15 in the afternoon. If you're if you're on the YouTube crowd, you're watching us, and there's actually light. There is light behind us. We are not recording at night like we usually do. I feel weird and unusual. I, I'm kind of kind of tired. I, I don't know what I'm feeling. I feel weird. Feel weird right now, Bobby Skinner. How are you? I'm I'm good, man. Like I said, you know, it's it's like perfect weather here in Florida right now. Um, feeling all right. Obviously, you know, the week after loss sucks, but but all things considered, I feel pretty good. I went to the dentist today. That's why I'm tired. Mm. They de- do they give you any drugs? Um, no. How many no. cavities have you had in your life? Zero. And I damn, I've only had one. I thought I was gonna. I was like, I have everybody beat, and then you say zero. That pisses me off. Yeah, no, and I and I even asked today. It's like no, no cavities, and it's no. I'm like, oh, cool, zero. Yeah. Um, the, that's actually my my birthday present every year is um going to the dentist. My mom get my mom get pays for me to go to the dentist every year. That's my birthday present. I love that. That's, Which is actually really like a really good birthday present because like you know yeah. damn well I'm not paying for it. My mom like she texted me the other day. She's like, do you want health insurance? I was like, no, I don't. I can't afford health insurance. What is <laughs> What kind of dumb question is that, Mom? Um, it's like, I get you a cheap plan. Like, there ain't no plan cheap enough for me, Mom. I could, I, I promise you that. But that's what mothers are, are for, caring, caring right. about you. That's right. Um, Mama Skinner, we love you. Yep. All right. Let's, we got some patrons. Let's, let's announce the patrons. We got Thomas Panicola. I wonder if he's from around me because our baseball coach um, was, was Coach Panicola. Oh. I love that last name. Very fun. It's an Italian last name. Panicola. So, um, Justin's Big Toe. That is mm. literally what his name is. I have a story about that. What's the story? Is it is it going to gross people out? I mean, it's 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 my body related. So Justin's Big Toe. Don't know if this person knows me or not. It's not really related to my Big Toe, but it's the fact that I was born with a club foot. So my feet are two different sizes. My left foot is a size 10. My right foot is a size 12. My left calf is smaller than my right calf, but my left leg is stronger than my right leg because of all the calf races I did as I was growing up. Your shoe sizes to... are two sizes different? No. 
my cleat sizes when I was a football player were two different sizes. I just live with the shoes. And my, no, my bowling shoes are even the same size when I was a bowler. Um, but I have a, I had a club foot and everything like that. And in terms of actually talking about my toes, on my left foot, my second and third toe are the same length on my left foot, almost the same length as my big toe, but on my right foot, all of my toes are nice and evenly shaped and sized out. Wow. My pinky toes are basically like totally bent from the amount of times I've stubbed them in my life. Mm. Andrew Golden, Marcus Golden's brother. Um, you wow. know, we know his father's a fan of the show, so it's cool to see him come and represent. Mike Nittle. Little Nittle. Little mm. little Ooh. Nittle. Ooh, change um, the T's to a P. Little nipple. All right. And mm-hmm. then just Davy, which is Davy is a is a good name. Justin, who are these hooligans? The hooligans uh, went to patreon.com slash talking giants. And for $2 a month, they could watch us uh, record and film the show at 3.15 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, if they so please, as uh, and then watch us a little early before they're on the podcast apps. Uh, plus, you uh, get some behind-the-scenes looks at content that we release early. You have discussions with Bobby kind of daily and also uh, uh, shirt raffles twice a month. Patreon.com. Slash talking giants. All right. Before we get in the mailbag, we talked about the fourth down decisions, and I and I let you go. And I, the more I thought about it on Monday, the more you're you hate the sound of my voice. You were way too harsh on Joe Judge. You said he was embarrassed and a coward. That was way too harsh. He was. No, what, what, like, what was, what was embarrassing about it? Like, let's go, let's go through. What was, because I agreed with you for the most part. On, I would have, I would have kicked the field goal the first time. Um, like, I wouldn't even done like a fourth and five. Like, if you're gonna do it, don't do that f- trick play. I would have kicked. I would just kick the field goal there. What, like, what, I, I, what was, how did he get embarrassed? I didn't hear anybody talking about how like it was like, like nobody was clowning Joe Judge after it. But just just because what are we now the podcast that just because nobody else is saying it we need to cave in and and change our opinions no but embarrassed fact, is what the public view is that's what and being embarrassed is I think the fact that Joe Judge was actually aggressive in the first half with his decisions and was coaching to win the game and he knew the situation that field goals were not going to win you that game and then be and then cowarding in the second half. With hunting the coward? ball, we we talked we talked about in this in the second half with those fourth and four decisions. It was just when they're one on the forty yard line, and it's I can I get disagreeing with it, but I don't view that as cowardly. I think I I think we'll also that's the word coward and being a coward is it's like the inside circle for those who like analytics of coaches that punt the ball and don't go for it when they should. That's being that's being a coward. So. Analytics um, people I, like to say the what what we mean isn't what we really mean. Like when you say running backs don't matter, it's like, well, we don't mean they don't matter. It's like, oh, so you're just being douches. No offense. I think he got embarrassed. I, I will not back down from that. Maybe the coward was the strong word, but I do think that he got out. I mean, also, and this is why I, I started off that whole rant that I gave with you're talking about a coach without his starting quarterback and – Without his play caller, even though the play caller kind of helped him, um, this <laughs> not having a different play. That's caller why I felt. Be- I felt him. better about Judge, and you were like, "He's a, a, he's embarrassed." I was like, "Well, no, we no, are no, on no. opposite I, ends of on Joe Judge right now." 
in the decisions that Joe Judge has control over. Because Joe Judge is not Pat Shermer. He's not uh, LaFleur. He's not another coach that's calling plays. And, you know, we're, we're thankful of that. So there's very little times where Joe Judge actually has control over the result of the football game within the like within game decisions. And when he did have control over it, I thought it looks it looked bad that he was so aggressive in the first half and then he was not as aggressive in the second half when he had when he was down by multiple scores anyway. I think that's a bad look on national television. I think you can't I think I don't think you can you can just use one brush to like, okay, fourth downs do this. Like he went for it on the first time, and I don't think it was like I think he was like, hey, we're it's, this was the first drive in the third quarter. We're down by ten. This game's. I mean, think about Seattle. You know, um, they weren't down by ten; they were down by five. But the first drive, they didn't score, and then they came. It's like so. It wasn't like it was an impossible. Like not going for there made it an impossible. Well, also, function. I mean, you're, you're, and, and you're kicking the field goals. It. Like looking back, it would have helped. It would have given them like. There's a much better chance. Now I agree, the right decision was to go, but like being down thirteen to nine at the half is a big difference between being down thirteen three. Yeah, but also executing those plays and trying to put seven points on the board would have been a bigger difference, and that was my main point. Again, my point was not oh just because it's fourth down and short and you're on the other side of the fifty yard line, go for it. That's never that's never analytics point. That's never my point. My point is that you have to execute. I agree. And having your puncher throw the ball, not a smart move, running the ball out of the shotgun uh, into a stacked box when you've been running the ball effectively all drive in rushing formations, that was not a smart thing to do. So I was more pointing at the execution of those fourth down plays rather than the decision. I, I think the fact that we've praised Joe Judge as, you know, the next, the next coming of uh, Parcells and Coughlin already – I think that this past Sunday was a little bit coming down to earth that he needs to improve on the in-game execution and decision-making on certain decisions that he makes. So that was you, the point. If they kicked the field goal the first drive of the game, are you like, that's a really bad decision, Joe Judge? No. Okay. No. All right, then we're, we're close to we're, we're closer no, than we it's, thought. No, because it's, it's fourth. It's fourth. I mean, you're I just heard, I re-listened the to the app, and I was like, good. Like, I was like, this sounds really harsh. So, that's... Good. That's it. All right. Speaking of harsh, Steve, take it away. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Speaking of harsh, uh, social media reaction around Evan Ingram making the Pro Bowl. Bobby, we have a voicemail on it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of very harsh. Hey, guys, Eric and Naples. Evan Ingram to the Pro Bowl with one touchdown pass while the Packers tight end has 10. That's insane. I'm glad Bradbury made it. He should be an all-pro. I can't believe we didn't get anybody else in. I'm really surprised that Graham Gano didn't make it. And frankly, I'm surprised uh, that Martinez or Peppers didn't get a better look. Uh, as far as the game Sunday, awful. Garrett has to go. I better have Freddie Kitchens. Our team's really bad. <laughs> but I love you guys. Peace. 
<laughs> Thank you, Eric, for calling. <laughs> that our team was really bad, man. Was he's was... in a bad spot? He's in a bad spot, Eric of Naples. So, Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl. James Bradbury made it, and then Blake Martinez. If there's one person who I'm like that really sucks for is, Jan- is Blake Martinez. Like this guy performs and he just gets constantly crapped on. He like there's there, it makes no sense that he didn't make it. But with Evan Ingram, he didn't deserve to make it. But I felt really bad with the reaction to Evan Ingram. Like you you watch the video of him like finding out from Howard Cross and he's with his mom and and it depends who the person is and people like I I you know I said like you know he's like a hard worker and people are like oh you have to be a hard worker. It's like yeah that that's true, but he's like never been a bad attitude guy and his issues have always like there's some guys where it's like oh effort or this or or it's just he just drops the ball and then they get people get mad at him at blocking but it's like he was never a good it was never like he had this expectation of being a good blocker so it's i i just felt bad for a guy who's been having a you know it's it's funny we're talking about a guy who made the pro bowl who you know we're talking about having a down year it's been a down year for him and it just I just felt bad for him that he was getting like it felt like he was just getting assaulted on social media. And then you're posting videos of like of his all his worst moments, even though a couple of those were Jones. Like I was like, "Good lord, Justin!" Like we are, we are. No, but that was a video that I posted months ago. This is what I love about social media: is when you're vague about your posts and you're being sarcastic about something, and then people get mad at you for being sarcastic. You can flip it around on them and say, "I didn't say anything." You're the one that's drawing conclusions here. But what? The, the Evan Ingram has had, and this is going to get to my point of just the correlation between throwing the ball to Evan Ingram and bad things happening. Five interceptions on passes where he was targeted. In 2018 and 2019, there were zero interceptions on passes where he was targeted. And I'm trying to find how many fumbles. Two. Two. Two fumbles. Um, so this is, this is not an opinion. The Philly drop. This is and 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 drops, of course, the drops too. But this is not an opinion. This is this is a fact that I'm about to say. There has been no NFL skill position player that has hurt his team more by being targeted than Evan Ingram in 2020. Not a single one. And I'm not even saying this is all of Evan Ingram's fault because a lot of it is Jason Garrett's fault. And two is of them Jason were Garrett... flat out Daniel Jones. Like the 49ers well, one was all Jones. The TJ right. Watt, as good of a play that was, that's all Jones too. But ultimately when Jason, right. So Daniel Jones and ultimately when Jason Garrett is trying to use Evan Ingram as Jason Witten, when Evan Ingram is not Jason Witten, that is an issue. That is very much uh, an issue. But my whole point is if, if the Pro Bowl is going to be something that is considered like, oh, you are a good player who has kind of helped your team in in that season. You should be elected to the Pro Bowl. Evan, there has not been a worse player, or not. Let me say this: there has not been a player that has hurt his team more by being targeted than Evan Ingram, and that is analytically, statistically proven. I agree. He did not deserve it. Like, like. I f- I'm happy for him. I hate the, you know, the, like, like he, you know, he put out a tweet and like you go through some of the responses. Like, come on. Like, at the end of the day, this is kind of, and, and he, he's been a guy who's been, you know, people, people say like, oh, you, you know, the, you always have to show effort. It's like, okay, but you know what? Like, do you show the most effort at your job? I'm like, well, I don't get paid millions. 
Like, okay, well, I could point to you people in third world countries who don't get paid much and they show more effort than you. Like, you can turn it around. So, as much as it's expected, I just felt bad for him, the reaction that he got. Um, but he didn't deserve to go. And what's crazy is he didn't make the fan vote. The players and the coaches did, which shows, like, they're, they're really the worst. Like, they're just as bad as fans. Maybe not coach, but, like, players, like, you talk about the NFL 100 list. They're so bad at it. And they, like, screw Like, they legit screw around with that. So they're just as bad as as fans with it. At least fans just stick to their own, and you know which fan base is the biggest. Maybe they feel bad for them. You've talked about that. You feel bad for them. I do, but I I you know I watch every single snap of his like three times. I'm just like reliving it. Um, I also hate the whole like 2020, like something something bad happens yeah. or something weird happens. 2020. Oh, that's 2020. But all but if there's one time where I will allow that. Evan Ingram being voted to the Pro Bowl when he's been, like, bad. <laughs> that is very 2020. It, it is. It yeah. kind of is. Yeah, like, he, he didn't really It sucks Blake Martinez and Logan Ryan didn't get, get in. Or Leonard Williams. Like, all those. I, yeah. Logan Ryan, you can argue. Um, Blake Martinez and Leonard Williams not going in is is is, is a big-time snub. Like, it, it just, it's, you look at stats. You look at eye tests, those guys not being in is pretty ridiculous. Nick Gates was a fingertip away from being a, not fingertip. That's, that's, that's a, that's an exaggeration. Uh, Nick Gates was somewhat close to uh, tying Evan Ingram with uh, touchdown receptions this year. <laughs> Dude, I felt that's another guy. It's like he gets, you get one chance to have a touchdown in an offense. Like, like you're lucky if you get one chance in your entire career to score. And Nick Gates couldn't 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 come down with it. Um so all right, that's that's enough Pro Bowl talk though. Next we have we have voicemail. Do we have a voicemail? Yes we do. Hi guys, it's Ben. I'm in Burlington, Vermont. I'm literally laying in my bed right now. <laughs> and I was just thinking, is Freddie Kitchens the inside guy? Is he is he the inside track at offensive coordinator next year if they fire Garrett? Love the show. Keep it real. Bye. I love when people say, "I'm literally doing something." <laughs> well, that's what I literally <laughs> tell them to do in the in the voice recording. <laughs> so, kitchens here. I can. I guess I can. I mean, I tweeted it all out, but they only put up six points, so it wasn't a great offensive game. But when you look at when you don't just look at the points, which you know, I think with a one game sample size, you can you can do that. Compared to you know thirteen game sample size, they got into the Browns territory f- on the first four drives of the game. On six total drives, they got into it five times. Um, they just didn't finish in the red zone, the fourth down stuff, and they attacked downfield more than they have all year. With you know the the whole two fifteen plus yard route things, I do. They had fifteen of those. The second highest this year was either eleven or twelve, and that was week two versus Chicago. It was a better offense. It was more spaced out. You saw Shepard and Slayton being wide open. Like you had, you had Tate being, you know, good, some contested stuff. Hell, you had Levine, Toy Lolo, and Elijah Penny having 10, 10 yard catches because they're wide open underneath. Um, the they we used draw plays. We hadn't seen draw plays all year, and I'm talking about like busted open. Like they these holes were the biggest holes I've ever seen. Um, it was better. That being said. What Kitchens didn't do was anything innovative. It was simple. It was simple, but it's simple stuff that we've been asking for. So it 
if anything, expose Garrett. I don't know if Kitchens is the guy, and and I don't really think Kitchens is the guy. Like I don't think Kitchens is the guy who I think can call a good aggressive game plan. But I don't know if Kitchens is going to be the guy that's going to find a defense's weakness and attack it and and be able to self. Like I I don't know if he's going to be that type of innovator, um, where he could just be consistently aggressive. And there's times where it's like, hey, you can't be aggressive for this game plan. You know, like I'm thinking Arizona last year where Jones is looking downfield. It's like, man, the underneath is wide open. So I I I am not calling for Freddie Kitchens to be the OC. I just believe that. Jason Garrett, this is just exposing what we've been saying about Jason Garrett, and it's it's just more proof that Jason Garrett needs to be moved on from. Does he have, I mean, so the answer is, does Freddie Kitchens have the inside track to becoming the new coordinator? Because, Bobby, let's, let's even think about it like this. I really do think John Mara... You know, if John Mara and Dave got, or at least, you know, let's leave Dave Gettleman out of it for now. But if John Mara is a guy that believes, I want to make some more changes without tearing it all down. And this even includes with coaching staff and the offense. If Freddie Kitchens can come in here, install similar concepts, keep, keep the language the same, keep some things the same, but come in as a play caller for next year, in my brain, that is something that would entice, I think, Giants fans and Mara. So, th- like I said, so you don't have to just tear it all down again and have Daniel Jones learning a new, a brand new offense three years in a row. Honestly, I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, I would say that is 50-50 between him and the best outside candidate. Because that that is valuable. And that really does kick... Um, any idea of like, oh, you don't want to, you know, ruin the whole system and bring in a whole new system. Um, so what, okay. Here, here, rapid fire. Who do you think is the offensive coordinator next year? Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, or somebody else? Somebody else. I would think Freddie Kitchens. Joe Judge is shown to be a guy who likes his guys. And he likes Freddie. Maybe there's another guy out there that he likes. That's That's also... That's also the thing. I think that would probably be the best, and I get that being in a new system sucks, but I'm 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 looking long term. I'm looking long term. Yeah. Get a guy in here who you like, whether yeah. it's you know a QB coach, you know Pep Hamilton, Mike Kafka, um, like somebody like that. Hell, it could be some bringing somebody in from college. Uh, could be Jay Jay Gruden for all I, like. I think you go. You get the guy who's the best available. Like I, I would throw out the whole continuity thing. I think you, you, who would I bring in if we are starting fresh? And that's what oh, I. Oh, so do. you're changing. You're changing your mind. That's what I would do. What I think they'll do is oh, bring in Freddie. Oh, what you think Kitchens. they're going to do? Okay. Yeah, th- that makes sense. I kind of, I kind of just threw threw that out there, um, because I, I think w- which a lot of fans, a lot, a lot of fans, and a lot of people have said, well, Bobby Justin, you want to move on from Garrett, but what about... And and this is the best defense, which is a bad defense, but it's the best defense of you don't want Daniel Jones to learn a third system for three years straight. And I genuinely think John Mayer also believes that. Like, he does not want to just Daniel Jones have the third system. I believe that too. I just, I don't want to sacrifice having a bad coach for that, you know. Correct. But I think Freddie Kitchens would be the perfect way to be half-pregnant and how many how many times have the Giants been half pregnant um, throughout 
the last couple of years in terms of firing Reese uh, or excuse me, um, firing Coughlin, keeping Reese and, and maybe Freddie Kitchens is a great OC. Like he was really yeah. good that year with Baker. Like now you sucked as the head coach, but maybe him there being the OC, especially with an attention to detail guy like Joe judge, who is going to go and find the weaknesses. So, you know, maybe, maybe Freddie Kitchens is the yeah. best hire. You know, it's tough. It's tough because we said the same thing about Jason Garrett. Yeah, he was good as a coordinator. He was bad at head coach. It's yeah, tough. but we had thirteen. You know, we had ten years of of Jason Garrett where right. we had you know twenty twenty games of Freddie Kitchens. It's a tough situation. It's tough. <laughs> um, and 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 with Freddie Kitchens, I mean, we just saw him. He had a good game plan with with the players that are on the roster with yeah. a backup quarterback and a backup QB. Yes, and a backup QB. Yeah. Um. We have, right. a mail, we have a mailback question, uh, Tim Coffey, um, which, by the way, Tim Coffey suggested this point that he's going to say in his mailback question earlier in the year, Freddie Kitchens has passing game coordinator, and I think both of us were just like, oh, no way, they, they Giants wouldn't do that. And then also Tim Coffey, Tim Coffey over the offseason said the Giants should be running a lot of 13 personnel with Toy Lolo, Engram, and Caden Smith, and they've been doing it all year. So I am no longer calling Tim Coffey crazy, even if he throws out an idea that's kind of wild. So this is what he said. This is what he asked. Can we revisit Kitchens being the passing game coordinator? Also, I've let go of Tomlinson. Emotionally, it was hard. Dalvin Tomlinson. Emotionally, it was hard. But he's not affordable. Whom do you guys need to emotionally let fly and be free? You tell me. Gosh, this is this is tough because... Uh, well, I have my answer. You have your answer. You you go because I need to pull something up. Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler. Yes. I want to keep this yeah. defense intact. I want to see what it could do with you know a decent pass rusher, and then you bring back you know Carter Zimenez. Uh, maybe you get somebody you know another Fakro type or bring back Fakro. What you know what whatever. I want to keep this defense intact, and Will Hernandez is not a guy you can have on the bench going into a season. He's just not. Zeitler's contract is is a very big contract, and you would save a ton of money. So, for me, it's Kevin Zeitler. I love I love Kevin Zeitler, and it scares me because it's like you're making you're making the offensive line worse on purpose. But they believe in Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux, you know, I don't think you're, they're going to start Shane Lemieux for ten games to finish the season, and then not start him going into next year. Yeah. Um. And Will Hernandez isn't a guy you could put on the bench. So I think both those guys will be the starting guards next year, and I think. Kevin Zeitler is the one I would move off of. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Um, my guy is Xavier McKinney. I'm sorry. Um, Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan. And why? And why? It's because where is Xavier McKinney going to go? If you have Jabril Peppers here, long, you know, hopefully long term, because his contract will be up at the end of next year. You're you're not. You have Darnay Holmes here, so he's your slot corner. You're not putting Logan Ryan at, at boundary. You have two safeties, and Xavier McKinney's your second-round pick. They they were playing Xavier McKinney at, at free safety most of the snaps. Most of his snaps this past weekend, he was at free safety. I don't think that's his strengths. I mean, sure, Xavier McKinney, I think, could be a fine ball player at free safety. But where he can be a good-to-great ball player is when he's playing in the box. It's when he's moving forward. It's when he's covering tight ends. It's when he's playing in the run game. Yeah, he. I think he had some bad plays in the, in the run game this past weekend, but that was his best tape at Alabama. And I would think you need to let Logan Ryan kind of fly and be free. 
so Xavier McKinney has a role. Yeah, he's someone like you know, like what what Tim Coffee is saying is like I just haven't, I I can't let him free right now. It's like I feel no, like I'm just getting to know him, and it's like uh, I, I don't want to let him free. He brings up a good point with Dalvin Tomlinson, though, Bobby, and I want to hear what you have to say because um, somebody who I'm a big fan of, he does, he he should have a little bit more followers because he does such a good job and he's so smart. Uh, Rohan Sanghani at Rohan Sanghani Four, um, he points out every week, every week, how Dalvin Tomlinson is the best player in the Giants, best player in the Giants because he's a big film guy. You know, I like to talk about Leonard Williams, and I'm a big fan of production. Who's going to who's going to produce for me? Who's going to provide value? But other film guys, you know, they love Dalvin Thompson. I can clearly understand why they do. When Dalvin Thompson was off the football field this weekend, Giants got gashed, and they have been getting gashed in the run game when Dalvin Thompson's not on the field. When he's on the field, defense is kind of a different unit, at least uh, against the run. So. I think that's something that they have to consider. You know, while I'm talking about, oh, Dalvin Tomlinson is expendable because stopping the run isn't as valuable in terms of getting to the quarterback, but now I'm kind of like rethinking, maybe let Logan Ryan go so you can have Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson together. Yeah, or just like go Kevin Zeitler. Uh, which, by the way, I, we don't have any questions about that. I just yelled into the microphone. Um I know the passing game wasn't the passing defense wasn't good this past week. I watched the Cleveland Browns every week, their offense for the Jedrick Wills video. Nobody did a better job stopping the run against them like we did. It was beautiful. We contained outside basically we contained, we contained on the edges and we said you're going to have to cut back in. And when you cut back in, guess what? You got Leonard Williams, you got Dalvin yeah. Thompson, you got Dexter Lawrence. And oh, and guess who their inside linebacker is? Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez. They were they they did not look like them same selves. There was one play where David Mayo lost contain because they motioned somebody over and was able to seal David Mayo off, and that was like a you know a 15, 20 yard run by Kareem Hunt. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful run defense to watch. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. No, and I I love the de- the the deception that Kevin Stefanski uses with guys in motion. Guys are running around. You don't know where guys are lining up. You don't know where to look. Um, you know, your eyes are in the backfield looking at one guy in motion and then the, then the ball snapped and you're already behind because you're not paying attention. So Giants defense did a great job keeping up with them. It was kind of really fun to see. Uh, Bobby, any, any, anything else, anything else on, on Tim Coffey? Nope. Okay. We Alfred Morris have... had more yards and yards per carry than uh, Wayne Gallman. That's Just true. Let's let you know Tim Coffey. Well, you, you look at that. Uh, that was the draw play that I think you're talking. You had a couple about. other big plays a... too. What a hole. What a hole that was. Stanley that was tremendous. Um, okay. So, Tre- it's it's Trevor, but Trebor Leakum. Sure. What are the chances Gettleman is fired? John Merrick can't keep him around after this ineptitude from the offense. I don't think Dave Gettleman's being fired. And I think he steps down. I don't think he's leaving. I think it's it's oh. as simple as this, Justin. And I and and you can be as mad, like you can hate Dave Gettleman for his 2018, but even like nobody can deny that he he had an awesome 2020, an awesome 2020, hit it out of the park. And you may think that's not enough, but they looked at 2018, 2019, and said we want to bring you back. We're going to give you another chance. With that chance, he's he's done well. That's really all it comes down to. 
Like to like that's really all it comes down to. And you do feel like I get the record's not great right now, but you do feel better about this team um than we did this time last year. Listen, I, I think there's good arguments on both sides. I this is really the thing the one thing that I do but I kind of play the middle on because I, I see both sides of it. Because there is, you know, that's I I am like, hey, at some point you do play the record. But I, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's leaving. I really don't. Who came out with that rumor a couple a uh, couple days ago? Some guy about... with like thirty thousand followers. We, it, we're not. I I can't I can't deal with that. Can't deal with it. it, it Bobby, it, it just it sucks that there is not a single free agent signing that Dave Gettleman made in twenty eighteen that's still that that is on the team and that's making an impact. I mean, you know, uh, you I could be a jerk right now and say that the draft picks aren't playing any any significant part in it either because Saquon Barkley's out Will Hernandez is on the bench Lorenzo Carter's hurt BJ Hill's like a fourth string guy but I don't think that's right but you still do kind of have to play the results too um at, at, at the same time in terms of even his drafting in 2018 and it it hurt it did set the team back at least a year maybe two years so um but again we don't know how much of the decision making is John Mara middling in the decisions and we don't know how much of it was actually Dave Gettleman um, doing what he has to do. Clearly, when I uh, clearly I think when John Mara let the football people make the football decisions, and that was this off season. I think that was really this off season where it's like you know what you we're we're in this mess. We're in this mess for a reason. Football people make the football decisions, and those were good decisions that were made. So you know what I, I, think I have it comes no down clue. To? Yeah. Next question. Next question. It comes down to the next question. Uh, this is a mailbag from our friend Brian Porres at Porres one Is it fair to assume that Judge's reference to Jones's long-term future means that he sold on Jones for at least the near term? No, that was just him talking in a press conference. This is what I think it comes down to. What is Joe Judge's view of Daniel Jones? Not Dave Gettleman's. Dave Gettleman invested in him. Dave Gettleman drafted him. Joe Judge didn't. I think that's the that, that will be the deciding factor with Dave Gettleman is what does Joe Judge think of Daniel Jones? I really think that's the deciding yeah. factor. It's unfortunately not even that, too. Uh, it's it's also what do you think of the other alternative options out there? Because Jones is under contract for the next three years, but they could, at, at least. They could not know? draft somebody and Joe Judge still not like him. You know what I mean? Right, but I, I if, if we're talking about next year, right? If we're talking about next year, if we're talking about 2021, because ultimately Dave Gettleman's future is tied to the success of Daniel Jones. It is. Yeah. So, but they could even go in. I'm saying if Joe judge, isn't like a believer, like if he doesn't have that same view of, of Daniel Jones that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer had, he can even go into year three, but also like signal to ownership. Like, Hey, I'll go into year three with this guy, but you know, I'm fine moving on from the GM yeah. who who got him. I, I don't I don't know. This is a lot of speculation right now. I don't know what Joe Judge's feelings are of of Daniel Jones. He hasn't shown that he loves him like the way Pat Shermer did. You and know? he certainly hasn't shown that he doesn't like him like Pat Shermer showed about Eli Manning. Pat Shermer showed that even on the sideline too. Uh, like when when Eli Manning was in the latter parts yeah, of his career, he like did. Pat Shermer showed like just total just frustration with what Eli Manning was doing. So, um, well, so they have mask on this year and it's tough. And yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just 
Now Daniel Jones hasn't done anything to love this year, but like Joe Judge, like have you have you have really besides like some basic stuff? Have you heard Joe Judge sing the praises of Daniel Jones? No, have you heard him sing the praises of anybody? No, which is the Joe, which is the good thing about Joe Judge is it's hard to get a read on him. Correct. Um, and that's why it's a big if. So I, I don't know Austin what Mack. Joe Judge thinks about Daniel Jones. I heard uh, Joe Judge sing the praises about Austin Mack about he shows up first. He's a really hard worker. I don't believe um, Austin so, Max shows up first. <laughs> You're saying you don't believe Joe Judge, Bobby? Not all the time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, everyone knows where I feel, you know, where I stand on Daniel Jones. I like him. I believe in him. Um, he hasn't proven it yet, but I do I do believe he has what it takes. Um, and, I, you know, I'm just not – I'm I'm not going to reply. He didn't get a I'm, fair shake. He didn't. He did not no, get they a fair screwed shake him this year. in 2020. Yeah, it's not a like I said. I've never used wide receivers and offensive line as an excuse this year. This offensive scheme is built to fail. I don't think, like we said on, on Monday's episode, I don't think anybody, unless you are totally audibling at the line of scrimmage, like with Tony Romo, or you have the best talent in the world, Jason Garrett calls a game like we have an offense that defenses are scared of. And an offensive line that defense is scared of, and wide receivers that they're afraid are gonna stretch him. Jason Garrett sucks. He's he totally like he screwed this year for Daniel Jones. Not Darius Slayton separation numbers, not Golden Tate, not Evan Ingram dropping the ball. Although that you know, not the offensive line. You know him being the you know top three in pressure and sacks. Those all don't didn't help, but those didn't screw him. Jason Garrett screwed him. We have a voicemail about Dion Lewis and the kick, and the kick return game. Oh boy, let's see if I can freaking figure out this voicemail oh thing. Boy. I really screwed it up last time. Um, let's see. We got Dion Lewis. This is from a number that starts with a nine. Do I have it? Bam. Yo, talking Giants. It's Joe from Hoboken, New Jersey. So you guys are recording earlier today. I'll try and get in there the last minute. I got a question for you guys. Who would you like to see returning kicks? Because Every time Dion Lewis returns a kick, I just assume he's going to fumble now. So he's got to go. I don't need my my heart rate starting to elevate on, on kick returns. So who would you guys like to see? Thanks. He did have a good kick return on on Sunday, but he did have another fumble. Dante Pettis. Activate Dante yeah. Pettis and let him return a kick before the season ends. Yeah, the thing is, is that who would you who would you release or deactivate or whatever? You You would need to make a corresponding move. T.J. Brunson. T.J. Oh, he he's on the active roster? Yeah. He's yeah, inactive every week, but he's on the active roster. Get him out of here. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. He's useless. He sucks. You know, like, uh, you've never seen him play. I saw him play at South Carolina. He sucked. In fact, that was the... There's one thing I was mad at Dave Gellerman for in the offseason is the fact that they drafted T.J. Brunson before Tay Crowder. Yeah. T.J. Brunson is was... Usually, there, like I said, there's usually one guy of the year in the draft that I don't like, and one undrafted free agent where I can't find anything positive about. Last year, it was Chris Slayton, who never got a chance with the Giants, the seventh-round pick. This year, it's TJ Brunson. Last year, undrafted free agents, it was John Hilleman. This year, undrafted free agents, I think it was um, Dana Levine, even though I was like, he can get off the ball quick, but that's about it. Honestly, Nico Lelos was one of those guys. How about that? I was not a, bit, I was not a Nico Lelos fan. I'm putting together something. Um, who is that? That that's uh that's John Hillman and me. I'm putting together something. 
Worst Giants starting running back in my lifetime. Wow. It's just not true. a hot take. It's rough. Um, I still follow him on Twitter. I need to unfollow him. Wow. Very mean. Um, we have a voicemail on Darius Slate. Hey, boys. Big fan of the, uh, the podcast. And uh, sitting on my couch from Shimon, New Jersey, watching the Steelers absolutely suck. But uh, one thing I've noticed just over the last couple weeks, and you guys pointed out, is just how, I don't know, if Darius Slayton is injured or disinterested, but he has just not looked like the same guy for multiple weeks now. And in an offense where maybe Kitchens takes over the play calling, I just would love to see Slayton get more into the game because he's that deep threat that Jones or Cole McCoy, if he's still in, uh, in place of Jones, just someone you can use to take those deep shots. And uh, I was looking to see what you guys thought about that. All right, so this is actually very good timing. Thank you for calling and asking this question because Darius Slayton in 2019 played 14 games. Darius Slayton in 2020 has played 14 games. And the snap count isn't all that different either as of right now because he only has 70 more snaps in 2020 this year than he did in 2019. So the comparisons are perfect right now. You don't need to do rates. You don't need to do anything like that. So 84 targets. Same in 2019, same in 2020. Both have 84 targets. 48 catches to 46 catches in 2020. So two catches less. The catch percentage is a little bit worse. 57% 2019, 55% in 2020. He has more first downs, 37 first downs, 32, three to eight touchdowns. That's that's tough because he started off the year catching some touchdowns. I know week one, he had a really big touchdown. He was big play slay. That has kind of disappeared. Disappeared. The yards per reception, 15.4 to 15.3 is the same, about the same. The yard Now, this is where you get to some of the more advanced numbers, and this is where you can get a little frustrated with scheme. Yards uh, before the catch per reception is about a half a yard greater this year than it was last year, but the average depth of target, he's not being targeted as deep down the field um, more. He's not being targeted deep down the field as he was in 20, 2020, as he was in 2019. That's about a yard less. He only has one broken tackle versus five. The yards after catch per reception is almost an entire yard less than it was in 2019. So much like this Giants offense is in general, you catch the ball, you get tackled. There is not really anything that is separating these Giants wide receivers um, in terms of what they can do with the ball in their hands after the catch. And I guess kind of the point to this is, is that even though we're, we're underwhelmed with Darius Slayton's 2020 performance, it's kind of the same as it was in 2019, except without the touchdowns. But the touchdowns are important. Touchdowns are important. I do think he's injured. I do think he's a little banged up. Oh, he up. definitely is. Yeah. Um, he's getting off-season surgery. Like, he will be the guy that we will hear, oh, this guy's getting off-season surgery. Even though, he, even though he didn't miss any time, miss any games over the course of the year, Darius Slayton's going to uh, get off-season surgery. He's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone has as suffered because of this offense i mean all these offensive players you know doesn't mean you can also you can say that this that Darius slayton has suffered from being in this offense and he's also not a wide receiver one and he's had some drop issues i mean that that drop on the slant um on sunday night he had some yards to go with that like he catches yeah. that he's got at least another 10 10 he's got at least another 10 yards and if it can beat one guy you know that could turn to six i know we it seems like every time someone drops a pass, we all just say, "Oh, that was six and think and forget that like he has world class athletes chasing him. 
Um, but that one, that was one where, you know, he could have got at least another 10 yards on it. So yeah. So, in, uh, you know, we overreacted week one saying he's a wide receiver one, but I also think it's an overreaction to say that this guy won't start like he won't like start for a good team. Like I think he's, he's a starting wide receiver for damn near every NFL team besides maybe yeah. like the Cowboys or the Bucks. Six drops this year versus two last year. So that is something I did. Yeah, I did forget to say that. So, yeah. All right, what do we got next? What do we got next? We have we have a mailbag. We have a mailbag question asking about Bobby's opinion on something. So, hot dog at zero hot dog zero. What gives Bobby a bigger chub? Chasserat or crazy people? Example, Florida people, Eagles fans. Chasserat, because I don't have Chasserat. I got crazy people in my life. Chasserat, I, I don't have in my life yet, and I, I want him so badly. Like, we need to get him. We need to we need to figure out a way to draft him. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to trade up for, you know, a million picks. Get me Chasserat. Million. Coach at Mr. Coach Clean. Why do the Giants keep calling timeouts on defense while in the red zone? The very next play against both the Browns and the Cardinals were touchdowns. This is an interesting question. I didn't know both of those next plays were touchdowns. The Giants are the number one red zone team in the National Football League. They're very, very good in the red zone. They're very, very good when teams cross the the 50-yard line in terms of buckling down. Um, Bobby, what are your thoughts? To get the personnel they want on the field. The touchdowns are, are coincidental. I would I I would agree. I I like the idea of having a little bit more time to come up with the play call, but ultimately that gives the offense a little bit more time to um, come up with the play call. I would lo- I would also like to think they already have those plays, like they have their red zone plays. It's not like you're giving them more time to come up with a better call, right? They already have them set. It depends on personnel. It's yeah, just, it's not like offense where it's like, all right, we're these are our two point conversion plays. No, I'm talking about on a like. I think coach's point might have been, you're giving you maybe you're giving the opposing team more time to come up with the play call. When I then that's my point. Like you already have your oh, set yeah. plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have I a sheet anything, that literally is like red zone, third down, yeah. and you know three, third down and four to nine, third down and ten plus, third like they. I mean, they literally have every situation on those sheets. Those sheets aren't yeah. just big for no reason. Okay, and we have one more question, and this is coming from Steffi Smalls. She said, "Hmm, hmm, hmm. What? What? What's the? What's the tone? Is it? Hmm, 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 hmm. Okay. That's it. That's 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 a clean up a mailbag. All right, cool stuff. Look at us doing a short episode. How about that? That's un that's unreal." Mailbag has become our longest episode of the week. Not this week, people. Not this week. Should I get an interview for the Ravens game? I feel like we're at the point of the year where interviews aren't necessary. No. Um, it's it should, should Can we talk about all the different scenarios of winning the division or losing the division? Um, if Washington wins on Sunday and we lose, we're done. Um, if Washington loses and we lose... Still in it. We would, we would also need, we would need Dallas to lose. No, would we? Here's my question: Would we win a tiebreaker with Dallas? I don't know. I think if if it's a three way tie, it turns into something else. So I don't know. 
turns into a jousting match at medieval times. Do um, a Kansas City tiebreaker. Have you, have you ever been in one of those? No. That in a, sucks. Medi- medieval, medieval jousting match at medi- medi- medieval times? I was referring to the Kansas City tiebreaker, but if you have any midi- you know any jousting matches, I'd love to hear. Yeah, no, no, I've I've been, but I have not been any myself. What is a Kansas City tiebreaker? Red team going down. Um, well, it's basically when you have a three-way tie, and you have three teams, and then the team that was you know the highest ranked or whatever, or like you 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 the first two teams play, and then the winner of that plays um, the other team. And they have to win that second time, that second game, when that other team just needs to win one. So I was in one of those, and we literally missed we missed a missed an extra point to tie it, and we and we missed we lost on that. Yikes! It sucked. Yikes! So that's my main question right now. If if we have a tiebreaker with Dallas, how does that work? Because I think Washington Google need, it. would would need to lose this week, and then. If they lose next week, we would need to beat Dallas, and that would be the division. Google it. Will a master Stephen M. Kovacs and a Lord Chip Douglas make your way to the fighting pits? This is finishing. We have time. Ooh, I have the answer. That's what one of my that favorite f- Jim Carrey scenes. What was that from? Cable Guy. I think it's probably Jim Carrey's most underrated movie. I have the answer. If we don't fight to the death, they will kill us both. From good friend to the program, Dan Duggan. If the teams end up tied because the Cowboys beat the Eagles and then lose to the Giants... The Giants will take the tiebreakers since they'd have a 3 and 1 record against Dallas and Washington. Washington would be 2 and 2 and Dallas would be 1 and 3 against the tied teams in that scenario. We will That's good. win the division. We just need Dallas to I lose. I think we're going to win it. I really do. All right, here, here's the thing. I mean, also I I I love how that pro football doc came out today and was like yeah, Alex Smith, he has a calf strain. That's bad because he's already missing part of his calf muscle. And I was like, whoa. 
That's bizarre. <laughs> he's playing football without most of his calf, I guess. How is that possible? How are you Haskins a human being? Plays. We need Haskins to play. Well, well, they may. <laughs> Who is the backup quarterback to backup Steve quarterback? Steve Montez out of Colorado. I actually liked him. Like I just liked his arm talent. I liked his accuracy. Um, for an undrafted because, free agent, I liked him, obviously. Because for some reason... Uh, a reason that most people know Dwayne Haskins may not play this Sunday. They may be looking for an excuse to not play Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, they don't like. And him I think at they all. they might have found it um, because he was a little he was a little little made it made a decision he maybe shouldn't have made. I don't know. I don't. I don't not judging. I don't hate. I don't hate it. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. May have done the same thing if I was in his shoes. Um, Dallas is playing who on Sunday? Uh, easy schedule. Who is Dallas? I, I I'm asking Siri. Who is the Dallas Cowboys playing this weekend? It's wrong grammar, by the way. How about oh, that? they're playing the Eagles. The Eagles. So they we need the Eagles to win. Oh, they're going to win. Oh, man, this is exciting. <laughs> but then if the Eagles win and we lose, then they have a half game up on us. So we have to oh, win the no. next two games. Oh, okay. We're going to do it, though. We are going it's, to do it's it. It's tough. We are going to do it. Um, I want somebody to re-listen to this episode. If you count the amount of times I say tough. You know who's tough? I Joe may, Judge. I may I may give you something free. Like if like how many times I've said tough this episode? I've said it seventy I've said it probably seventy five thousand times. If you count exactly how many times I said it, I will probably give you something free if you DM me on Twitter. Do you think people have ever seen a pen through the cap like this before in their life? No, I'm actually seeing where the pen is. Like here, say something so people can see it. Where do you get your pens from? That's crazy. Um, I recently had my boss at my work order some pens. Go to penisland.com, dude. They're like you can get custom pens and they're really cheap. Or not a free? Is this a free ad? We don't do free ads. I this is one I will do because I use them. Go to pe- go to penisland.com and, and show me what you see. Link in the description. Seriously, I'm telling you. Go to penisland.com right now. Oops, okay. Can we talk about the? Um, oh, I really wanted to end the show with this. We have we're talking. We we are not going over an hour. Um, can we talk about the Nets? Sure. I'm excited for this game tonight. They're playing the the Golden State Warriors. Yes. Can you tell me who is starting? You oh you just you just made me you just you just made me do something. You just I I put in penisland.com. Oh, dude! I can't believe you did that. And wh- what, I can't believe you. Did. What is this? Should I put my age? No, do not, do not. I'm 22. Should I put 22? Oh, it asked for your age. It didn't go straight to the website. No. Think about Penn Island if you separated. Oh, well, I, I know. You... I get it now. Um, penis land. I <laughs> know uh, Penn Island. All right. Should we end the episode? Well, well. Just tell me, is Steph Curry back? Is Clay yes. no Clay Thompson's done? Clay Thompson's done. Finito. All right, but this is still going to be a fun game. Do we think the Nets will win by t- over twenty points? No, but they'll win, and they're really good. They were good in the preseason. Is preseason in basketball more like you could take it a little bit more seriously than football and other sports? Yeah, because the starter, it, it's it's are the starters playing? Then yes, yeah. So yeah. And, and especially with a team like the Nets, where it's like, what does KD look like post-injury? And he looks fine. He's dunking. He's shooting. 
he's dominating. All right, let's end the show. All right, let's end the show. Uh, Mary, Mary Chrysler to everybody. Mm. That's why yeah. I said Mary Chrysler. Chrysler suck. Happy holidays. Oh, and I, I what did what did my oh this is something I almost forgot. I on a serious note, I want to give a shout out to Will Manso, who he he you know he works down in Miami covering you know the Miami sports teams for a Miami newspaper. He's a big New York Giants fan and Chris Cahill. This is this is me being serious. They both lost their mothers this past week. That's horrible. Um, I just want you to let you know that we. I've been thinking of you, Justin. It, I don't know if you know, knew Will, Justin, but I know Chris Cahill. Yes. You know he's been listening to you for a long time. Uh, so if you're uh, if if you pray, say a prayer for those families. Like on a on a real serious note, I know we like to goof off, but on a serious note, man, I, I really do feel for those two guys. Um, and their families. All right, we appreciate you guys because you guys are our family. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.